that song fits very well with what I want us to look at tonight from God's Word. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I feel really privileged to be able to be back with you on Wednesday evenings. We've really enjoyed, I know I've enjoyed hearing from all the different men this summer who have shared with us from God's Word, from the book of 1 Thessalonians. And last week, uh, Caleb finished up chapter 4 for us. And so I want us to go right to chapter 5 tonight as we think about our Lord's soon return. I think this, uh, I've entitled the message tonight, this idea that a future perspective gives us present focus. A future perspective gives us present focus. You know, we often live our lives thinking, boy, if I could just see a little bit clearer, I would know what to do. Somebody said once, and it's often repeated, that hindsight is 2020. If you can look backwards, it helps you to know better what's going on. You've also heard the phrase, perhaps, that history tends to repeat itself, and those who fail to learn from history are doomed to what? To repeat it, right? And yet in the scripture, we can learn a lot by looking backwards, but because we serve the sovereign God of the universe, because we serve a God who is outside of time, whose vision is not just to the past, not just for the present, but God knows all of the future as well. In fact, he holds it all in his hand. We have a God that can tell us about what is to come. And as we learn about those things which are to come, it gives us the proper focus for where we should be and how we should live today. Last week, as Caleb finished up chapter 4, we really saw the joyful hope of Christ's soon return. We're excited that He's coming. Let me just catch you up. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's a great hope in these verses, isn't there, that even if we die prior to the return of Christ, that we know we can have an eternal home in heaven. In fact, we don't have to wait around for it. As the scripture says, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord, he says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. This is our joyful hope. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, he gives us a solemn warning, a warning about the coming day of the Lord. This was not the first time that he had exhorted the church in Thessalonica about the day of the Lord because he tells us in verse 1 of chapter 5, But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need 
that I write unto you. In other words, you already know what I'm talking about here. You already understand the concept of the day of the Lord. But even though they understood the coming day of the Lord, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, still thought it was really important to warn the believers and the readers of this letter Amen. in Thessalonica about the coming day of the Lord. And I would say for us today, the same thing should, should, should apply. This may not be new information for us tonight, but it is information that we need to be reminded of regularly. It is truth that we need to consider and that we need to make sure we continue to align ourselves, give ourselves the proper present focus because we have the right future perspective. I was um, reading something earlier this week about how as a church, it, as you continue forward day by day, it's easy for a church to become very inward focused, to be focused on just ourselves and our own needs and our own struggles and our own problems. And yet the Lord has called us to be a light in this dark world, that Jesus Christ is the light. and We are to be reflectors of His goodness, of His grace, of His gospel salvation into this dark world. In fact, as you'll see in just a few minutes here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he actually calls us children of light, children of light. And so we are to live as light in this dark world. The reality is, as we live in a dark world, there are all kinds of things around us that are constantly trying to extinguish that light, constantly trying to obscure that light. There's the song that maybe you have sung if you grew up in church, rode the bus or went to children's church or something like that. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And then that verse says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. And here in the first five verses that we're going to focus on tonight, we have for us a solemn warning about the coming day of the Lord. Let me read to you our text, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety! Then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. I want us to notice, first of all, from our text that the day of the Lord is something that will surely come. The day of the Lord will surely come. Verse 2 says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so 
cometh. The day of the Lord is coming. It is coming. And you might say then, well, what is this day of the Lord? Is the day of the Lord the, the rapture that Caleb looked at last week? Well, no, not exactly. Is the day of the Lord the millennial reign of Christ? Well, no, not exactly. Is the day of the Lord just the tribulation period? Well, yes, in part. Let me take you back to some Old Testament passages to help us understand better what the day of the Lord is. Well, the day of the Lord, it's a future time. Okay, It hasn't come yet. It's a future time in which God will be at work in the world. You'll see that in our verses we look at here in a moment. He will be at work in the world even more dramatically, if you will, than he has been since the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a time that is referred to by many Old Testament prophets. Are you willing to turn some pages with me tonight? I don't have all these verses on the screen. And if you didn't bring your Bible, just listen as I read. But the first one, Isaiah 13, 9 through 11. Isaiah 13, 9 through 11. The Bible says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh. Isaiah is prophesying, This day is coming, the day of the Lord cometh. Cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. And he shall destroy the sinners out of it. For the stars of heaven, the constellations thereof, shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened as his, in his going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. For I will punish the world for their evil. And the and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause, he says, the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. Isaiah goes on, but I want you to turn over to the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, all right, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, prophet Joel. It's the second of the what are often known as the minor prophets, not because that what they had to say was of lesser importance, but rather they just said it in fewer words than the major prophets did. Joel chapter 2, and I want you to look at verse 28 through 32. The Bible says in... It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has said and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Turn over to Zephaniah. Zephaniah. This one, I believe, is up here behind me for you to read along. Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. The Bible says, The great day 
of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. It's coming quickly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them. If I just had enough money, it won't deliver you. In the day of the Lord, in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. See, this day of the Lord begins right after the rapture of the church, and it ends with the conclusion. Of, of the millennium. All of this time together is known as the day of the Lord. It will be a time of great destruction and judgment, but it will also be a time of great blessing as God ministers to His people. This is a major theme throughout prophecy and its fullest exposition in Scripture. We don't have time to go into it in, in deep detail tonight. can be found in Revelation chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. This was something that many of the Old Testament prophets looked forward to, and John, the writer there in Revelation, has described in much greater detail for us. But I think what Paul is telling the church at Thessalonica about, and what we need to remember this evening, is that the day of the Lord surely will come. The day of the Lord surely will come. But notice something else about this day. This day of great judgment. This day of great struggle. This day will come, and he says how it will come. So cometh as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord, if you're taking notes, number two, will be unexpected to some. It will be unexpected to come. And here Paul used the descriptor for us as a thief in the night. Now, don't take that description too far to think, well, that means, therefore, that the Lord's return will come when it's dark outside. Well, you know how the planet works. It's going to be dark on one side while it's light on another. So the emphasis here is not on the fact that he's going to come in the nighttime, but rather the way a thief comes in the night. A thief comes when you least expect it. A thief comes especially to those who are unprepared for the thief to come. As some often have observed, when they put up their security system, they say, I'm not trying to make it impossible to get in. I'm just trying to make my house more difficult to get in than my neighbor's house and hope that the thief would choose the path of least resistance. The thief comes to those who are unprepared. The thief comes to those who are unexpectant. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief 
in the night. We know that in the last days, we even looked at these verses on Sunday, perilous times shall come. Right? 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. He says, from such turn away. These are all going to be the things coming in the last days leading up to the day of the Lord. So while the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night, it's unexpected to some. It doesn't have to be unexpected for you and for me. While we may not know the exact day and the exact hour of when he will come, we can be prepared for the thief to come in the night in the same way we can be prepared for the day of the Lord to come. The period of history known as the day of the Lord will come as a surprise to those who are on the earth and living for themselves, as Paul described in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He'll come like the thief who comes to visit the sleeping homeowner. Matthew 24, 43 and 44 refer to this. It says, but know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and it would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready for such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. If you knew that the thief was coming, I dare say most of you would be prepared, wouldn't you not? You would stay up that night. You'd have your gun loaded and ready or your baseball bat right at your hand. I saw this advertisement the other day for this nightstand that's like a, a baseball bat at the bottom and the top is made a little shield thing. They said when you have someone come in your house at night, you're going to grab that baseball bat and that little shield thing and run around. Not me, not at my house. I have something that allows me to stand a little bit further away from you so that I don't have to get up close and touch you. I can reach out and touch you from a distance to be able to keep those thieves at bay. Now, the thing is, the thief doesn't generally come when you're wide awake and ready. No, he comes when you're asleep, when you least expect it. And that's the descriptor that we have for the day of the Lord, the Lord coming when people do not expect. And he says, because that is when it will come, that we must be ready. We must be ready. So number three in your notes tonight, the day of the Lord cannot be avoided. Cannot be avoided. It will be unexpected. He will come and it cannot be avoided. There are those who say, well, it won't happen to me, right? That's the famous line people say before what? It does happen to them. It'll never take place in my house. We're going to be okay. We don't have to worry about that situation until you do. And the day of the Lord is something that everybody must realize is coming. 
and it cannot be avoided. Notice back in our text, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 3, says, For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Notice the last phrase, and they shall not escape. They shall not escape. It's interesting because when does this destruction come? It comes when they're saying peace and safety. Doesn't that sound like the two most important things to much of our world today? Peace and safety. Be safe. Be safe. Keep everybody safe. Let's have peace. We should all just be able to get along. And it seems as the more people say peace and safety, the less peace and safety we have. We know that peace and safety are desires of all people. It's not wrong to desire peace and safety. But the scripture tells us that there is only one source of true peace, and that is the Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And until He rules and reigns and every knee bows before Him, there will not be eternal peace and safety. This world is looking for peace and safety, but they're looking for peace and safety apart from the presence of Jesus Christ in their life. Remember when Jesus came to this earth and He walked on this earth, people were looking for Him to set up His, his kingdom right then. And the Lord said, I, I didn't come to rule like you think. He came to rule in their hearts, to be king of their hearts. People are looking for peace and safety, but instead of peace and safety, they will find destruction. There's an interesting passage I want to turn your attention to in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27. The whole back half of the book of Daniel is full of incredible prophecy that looks forward to, well, looks throughout history and then on into the end times. And in Daniel 9 and verse 27, it tells us that the day will begin, the day of the Lord will begin when world conditions appear very calm and peaceful. This peace will come with the signing of a seven-year covenant that is predicted in Daniel 9.27. Daniel 9.27 says this, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now we understand from study the book of, studying the book of Daniel that in his reference to weeks here, each day of this week is like a year. And so a week of years would be seven years. So this is a seven-year covenant. And in the midst of the week, halfway through, Three and a half years in, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. This is often referred to as the abomination of desolation. And what this is referring to is that time during the middle of the tribulation period when the Antichrist, that one who has made peace around the world, who has signed this peace covenant and all nations of the world come together to sign and they say there's going to be peace and safety until halfway through that seven-year period when he steps up and he offers 
his own sacrifice there in the temple of Jerusalem, and he, he desecrates the temple, trying to point all allegiance to himself. At this point, halfway through this covenant, all kinds of crazy breaks loose. All kinds of wars take place, and the world is thrown into utter chaos. But let me encourage you a little bit. From the end of verse 3, it says, They shall not escape. Paul does not include himself and his readers in this group of people who will not escape. He doesn't include them as those who would see the day of the Lord as he did include those fellow believers with him as those who would experience the events taking place around the rapture. The destruction, though, I think it's important to note, is not annihilation. It's not just completely wiping them out so that they cease to exist. No, it is a breaking up of their peace and security through the outpouring of God's wrath on the earth in the great tribulation. Destruction will come, and it will come suddenly. He gives us the example of a thief breaking into a house, but then he also gives us another illustration. He gives us the illustration of a woman going into labor as travail upon a woman with child. A woman with child who carries that child to term knows that, that those labor pains are coming at some point. She knows roughly when it will take place, but she doesn't know the exact day or hour, of course, unless doctors intervene and they do their own things. And even then, many times, she doesn't know exactly when it will take place. But what he's saying here, just like a woman who goes into labor, she knows it's coming, it's going to be painful, but, and, and it will continue until the end. So it's the idea of this, once it starts, it won't end. Once it starts, it will continue on. Once it starts, it will come to fruition. Mark 13 and verse 8 describes how awful this time will be. It says, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrow. See, the wrath of God is something that we have yet to fully see poured out on this earth, at least not since the time of the flood. Remember, God sent His rainbow and He said, I'll, I'll never destroy the earth like this again. That is until the end of times. His wrath has been restrained by His mercy and His grace towards us. But at some point, once He knows that all of His children have come home, His wrath will suddenly break forth. The signs of its coming are discernible. We can see them around us, even though the moment of its arrival is unpredictable to us. Only the Lord, only God Himself knows the day and the hour. No more can the world escape the coming wrath of God when it breaks out in the day of the Lord than a pregnant woman can escape labor pains. In fact, if you 
dig into the Greek that's behind the English here, you'll find as he talks about this, as a travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. You have here what's used as a double negative. Now, in English, when we use a double negative, it doesn't make sense. But in the Greek, when they use like no, never, two negative terms in a row, it is for emphasis to say there is no way that this will be avoidable. So we've seen that the day of the Lord will come. We've seen that the day of the Lord will be unexpected and that the day of the Lord cannot be avoided. But I want you to notice finally tonight that the day of the Lord can be prepared for. You can be prepared for the day of the Lord. You can be. Just like you can be prepared for the thief in the night. And a woman can be prepared to give birth to a child. You can be prepared for the day of the Lord. Go back with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, and let's look at verses 4 and 5. Boy, those first three verses, those are hard, aren't they? The warning is stiff and severe. But in verse 4, we have a contrast. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. that that day should overtake you as a thief. What great hope! You're not in darkness. You don't have to fear the day of the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I read like the book of Revelation, for example, so much of it, you say, well, that's scary stuff. You read some of those Old Testament prophets, you say, oh, those are bad things. I, I, I'm nervous about that. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe sometimes even those words of prophecy have caused some to close their Bibles and say, I, I don't want to think about that. But then you look at the world around you and you say, I don't want to think about what's going on out here either. It's bad wherever I look. And this is the hope that we have as believers that we can be prepared for the day of the Lord. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. It's as if... That child, there's a child in their room and they're scared of the proverbial monsters under their bed and they're in there shaking in fear and they're worried, not sure what to do. They're whimpering in fright and all of a sudden, daddy walks in the room and he flicks on the light and he says, see, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be afraid. Ye are not in darkness you know the footsteps of the unknown person outside your room are scary until they walk in and it's your close friend or your spouse or somebody that you trust dearly and all of a sudden it's all okay in fact it's not just okay it's really great you're encouraged by it excited by it ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief, he reminds them who they are. Ye are all the children of light. You know, who you are matters. Where your identity is is so important, isn't it? I mean, if you don't know where you are and who you belong to, it can be a really scary thing to live this life. But if you know that as a believer in Christ, you're safe in the hollow of His hand, 
and that no man can pluck you out of his hand, that's a very comforting place to be. If you know that with all the craziness going on around us, even all the unknown things, who really is in charge? What are they really up to? What's going on? I feel like we don't have clarity. We aren't able to see. Aren't you thankful that your Heavenly Father can see and that He does know? And you, as children of the Heavenly Father, you are a child of the light? You know, the child of the light doesn't have to understand everything that's going on. He doesn't have to know everything that's going on. He just has to trust his Father. The Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I mean, your little girl, your little boy, they, they don't know everything that's going on in the world. But as long as mama's there, as long as daddy's close by, it's all okay. They don't understand all the noises and bumps in the night and the darkness, but when the light is on and mommy's close by or daddy has his arm around, everything is going to be all right. Everything's okay. Hey, ch brethren, Paul says, you're not in darkness. It shouldn't overtake you. This day should not overtake you as a thief. No, you're children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Here I see in this verse, he's repeating himself over and over and over again. It sounds to me like the soothing words of a mother or a father who comes along to that little child and say, it's okay, it's okay, settle down, settle down. Mommy's here, daddy's here. It's going to be all right. You know, Paul... Earlier in the book of 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 2, verse 7, Paul told the church there, he says, We were gentle among you, even as a nurse, like a nursing mother, cherisheth her children. So being effectually desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto the gospel, unto you the gospel of God. He describes and compares himself as just like a, a mother would take care of her children and comfort them. And here in chapter 5, in verse 5, I see in that same vein the comfort that God brings to us as his children, that we are children of light. We're on the winning side. The Lord is my helper, and I shall not fear. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For Thou art with me, Thy rod and Thy staff. They comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies." 
Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, what does he say? Shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Yeah, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord will surprise many people like a thief in the night. Day of the Lord cannot be avoided, but you can be prepared. You can be prepared for the day of the Lord. So I guess that leaves us with a couple of questions tonight to consider. Are you a, ch a child of the light? Is God your heavenly Father? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? The finished work of Jesus Christ to take away all your sin? If you have... If you know that that's settled, then walk as a child of the light. I wrote two things here, and we're going to expand on this next week as we go a little bit further in this chapter. So I hope if you're able, you'll come back and join us because this is really just the introduction to what is to come. And he's going to teach us how to walk as a child of the light, how to live in the light. Right, Because it's one thing when you're in that dark room and all of a sudden mom or daddy turn the light on and everything's okay. But now you want to learn how to be able to live in that presence, live in that with that perspective, live in that reality every day. And that's what Paul spends the next uh, several verses describing for us, how to live as a child of the light. So let me just give you two things for you to think and consider this week. And then we'll come back to this next week, Lord willing. First of all, children of light know the truth. They know the truth. Paul wrote and he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you know the truth, it'll set you free. When you know the truth, it helps us to have the proper focus in our present day. So children of light need to know the truth. And Paul reminds them of this. He says, you already know that the day of the Lord is going to come like this. Therefore, live as the children of the light. So to be a child of the light, you need to know the truth. And secondly, children of light need to obey the truth. They need to obey the truth. And there's not time tonight to get into it, but next week we'll go a lot further into this because he gives us a beautiful description, lots of practical, everyday, rubber-meets-the-road kind of advice for how to walk in the light. I love what the Scripture says, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We can walk in the light. This is possible. You can live a life of rejoicing in the Lord. Doesn't mean you won't face difficulty. Doesn't mean there won't be real monsters in the night. But you can know that you are safe with the Lord and you can be prepared for His coming day of wrath and judgment. Are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment day? The Lord's coming, but as His child, if you are His child, you can be ready. Father, we thank you for your word and the reminder that it gives us about the coming day 
of the Lord. It's not a day that we look forward to in the sense that we look forward to your judgment. But for the believer, it is a day that we're looking forward to because it means that we're that much closer to our eternal home in heaven. And I'm thankful to know that for us as your children, we know that we will not have to live through that day the way those who are unprepared for that day will live. But Lord, as we look even next week further into this passage, help us to realize that there is a real reality to being prepared and what that looks like every day in our lives. It does begin with a personal relationship with you that's only found through Jesus Christ. But there's things that you've told us to do as we live our lives to be prepared for your coming day. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us with the hope that is found in these verses. Somebody here tonight has found themselves caught up with fear and struggle that they would look to you and to know as a child of the light, as a child of the King, they can know that they're safe and know that you hold all things in your hand. Help us to live like we should in, in the knowledge of the truth and in obedience of that truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.